If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slightly Something Else. I'm Yati Kroshaw, and uh, this is Nick Calandra. Hello. And we're talking about de-stressing, which kind of isn't appropriate for that for the last couple of minutes. <laughs> but playing games to de-stress, which in many ways feels on paper like a contradiction in terms, because games are often designed to stress you out and challenge you. That they are. And yet... Whenever I'm feeling stressed out, I play Dark Souls. The community and me <clears throat> both think that's weird. <laughs> but well, I guess I if, think... you, if you've played it, played it enough, it just becomes muscle memory. Well, exactly. Anything can become a comfort zone if you play it enough. Right. And uh, yeah, I have played it quite a bit. I get a lot of satisfaction out of knowing precisely when to press <clears throat> forward roll to get behind a black knight and stab him in the bum. I, You know, after you're playing a bunch of the Souls games, I can see how it ended end up becoming a de-stressor. But also, I'm well, not good enough well, to yes. be, be at that point yet. <laughs> so. yes. Being very good at incredible violence yep. can be uh, very uh, de-stressing. Uh, not, yeah. not distressing, de-stressing. That's... Uh... Well, see, Dark Souls is that for you, but for me, uh, it's like Call of Duty or, or like Rainbow Six Siege or whatever, which, you know, if anybody's watched the game night streams knows I can get very frustrated at, but it's still like my my comfort zone game where I just know what I'm doing and, you know, I'll play it for hours and kind of forget the time. See, that's why I can't really play multiplayer games. Yeah. Because I find it too stressful to think that other people are judging my performance. I'm generally very anxious in social situations. It, you so do you play like any any multiplayer games then? You know the funny thing is I used to. You used to, even having like anxiety problems. I used to play a lot of TF2. Hmm. Although I usually played medic because it's easy playing medic. You just find the one guy who's doing all the work and just keep your mouse pointer aimed at them. Right. But then everything got really then everything got really complicated. I was off playing TF2 at the point when they started updating the game and adding like optional weapons and extra unlocks you could get from like completing objectives and it just wasn't fun anymore. Especially immediately after because everyone was playing medic to get all the achievements. So it wasn't it wasn't like people being mean to you, it was just the the complexity of multiplayer becoming too much or it wasn't just kind of fun anymore. It was just Well I well I was worried that people would be mean to me. <laughs> because I didn't know how all the new mechanics worked. <laughs> Be mean to you. You could just talk them away with your quips. Well, that's not how it works, Nick. <laughs> I, I hate the thought that I'm getting in the way of someone else's fun, either by not being a very good opponent or not being a good co-op partner. Uh, that's like the complete opposite of what I went through growing up because multiplayer games were my escape growing up until uh i ended up getting bullied from kids at school because I, I used to play with a group of people from that and then after that i like pretty much hermited away from multiplayer uh because it like came into my real life and, and you know they bullied me online and then bullied me in school uh so actually i didn't play yeah i didn't play any like voice chat or multiplayer games after that until college and then i, I picked up yeah. rainbow six siege and and uh kind of broke out of my shell in a, in a fraternity again and kind of learned to, you know, not worry about that stuff as much. Imagine if those kids who bullied you could see you now <laughs> playing Rainbow Six pseudo-professionally. Yeah. Well, I did just get a headset sent to review because I played Rainbow Six Siege so much. <laughs> I guess I'm in a catch-22 because I don't want to play a game that I can't be good at and I can't be good at without practicing at it. Yeah. I mean... In multi in multiplayer, at least. That's kind of like we were playing Hell at Loose on uh, the Editor's Hour tomorrow yesterday, which was a... Uh, it's a, a 
kind of realistic World War II sim, and it's not just a point-and-shoot game. It's a very much you-have-to-think-and-communicate-with-people game. Uh, yeah. And there are a lot of people in chat saying like they would never play something like that because it just there's too much it, going on. It's stressful. Yeah, but I mean, but, but I, if you look I at it, they're like, Dark Souls, Dark Souls is super complex until you get the hang of it, and I feel like you could uh, throw the same thing at like a complex multiplayer game like Siege or something like that, too. Well, I feel like... I'm. I get stressed playing multiplayer. Hello, Toffee. How are you? Sorry, you haven't been. You haven't <laughs> been getting nearly enough attention. But yes, it's stressful to play something hard. But when you're good at something, it's automatically non-stressful. And on that note, sometimes when I want to de-stress with games, I just watch videos of skilled people playing them. Like like speed runs, often like these like full of glitches and stuff, so it's not that fun to watch because mm-hmm. someone does something that just teleports them across the map, and there's absolutely no way of figuring out how they did it. But then I, I, the weird uh, paradox for me is that I really like watching footage of people playing fighting games. Really, and I can't stand fighting games myself. I never play fighting games. I just don't like them. I. I don't like playing them. I don't like having to get to grips to the degree that you need to do so to play a fighting game. Yep. It's impossible to just casually play a bit of. That's... I feel like the Injustice series is maybe the only one in Mortal Kombat or like the two that are like a little bit more accessible than the rest of them. But yeah, like I, the fighting... I don't know. I, I, I feel kind of weird saying like those, that that genre feels inaccessible to me because that's how I used to feel about Mortal or uh, Dark Souls and all that. Yeah, uh, but then you know, if I actually spent the time and learned it, I'd probably figure it out. <laughs> but also, well, the difference is, the difference is in Dark Souls, you still have to deal with one thing at a time. Yeah. Whereas the fighting game, you start a fighting game, it's just a fucking wall. Right. Yeah. Is all these characters all got subtleties and nuances and a million different moves? You have to learn. You have to learn them. Mm-hmm. Or 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 you or play the guy off. that or you play the guy that just spams the A button until you die and that's that well, turn, well, that immediately whatever. turns me off the game. <laughs> well, whatever works for whatever makes you win. Yeah, but I, but um, I while I don't like playing fighting games, I appreciate them as a genre. What ones do you I watch? Appreci- them? Well, um, lately I've been watching this dude on YouTube named Super who plays the Netherrealm fighters. Mm-hmm. Plays been playing Mortal Kombat 11 and uh, Injustice 2, and it's just it's just fun to watch like uh, someone who's really good at it just crack off a 12 hit combo and knock off the opponent's uh, half their health bar because he only he only posts videos of himself playing against like other players online. Yeah. And he'll like talk about like what the other person's gonna do and what like what's the thinking in his actions. But at the end of the day, it's just very cathartic. Hmm. Yeah. So and you don't dude, you don't watch like any of the esports stuff? Then you just watch individual YouTubers? No, not really. I guess I prefer the personal <clears throat> touch. Yeah. A little 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 proxy excitement from watching someone having fun, being really good at something. Right. Yeah, I've I've done that sometimes. Like I I try to. I got yelled at before because when we were talking, I think it was maybe on this podcast, what we were talking about, uh, like esports a little bit and how I find like a lot of the commentating cringe uh, just because it gets mm. so in your face and it's super excited. And Yeah, well, that's spectator sports in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just more used to it when I watch hockey. It doesn't feel like, you know, it happens every once in a while when like a, gore, uh, a goal gets scored. Uh, I tried to add score and gore <laughs> the same mm. word, uh, but like when I've been watching, when I've tried to watch esports, like it just gets, it's like almost too hype, if that's a good word for it. Yeah, so that's the difference. I don't want, I don't like watching, you know, team sports. Yeah, because the comedy gets too hype, people get overexcited about it. But if I'm just channel hopping and something like the Olympics comes on and it's just showing like gymnastics, yeah, just one person like going on the rings at the end of it. Like they uh, land on the floor, and the commentator goes, "Oh, they'll be happy with that round of applause." Yeah. Next person comes up, does the exact same fucking thing, lands in exactly the same way. Commentator says, "Oh, they'll be disappointed in that." <laughs> it's just fun to watch, like just one person triumphing against the human spirit, and I guess that's the difference between watching esports versus watching just people doing speed runs or yeah, well, it's not really it's well not like a combat. yeah, it's not an audience environment. Uh, yeah 
Yeah, I can see that. I've I've never really got into watching. Weirdly enough, like we uh, we just recorded a, a new podcast yesterday, and we got into some deeper topics on this with uh, Marty and KC. But like, I never got into watching other people play games. Like, I never really that's got weird into considering the how that's weird considering how much streaming content the Escapist has. Yeah, no. So it, you, you must have a like a distinct understanding that people like it. Yeah. Oh no, I absolutely know that people like it. Uh, it's just never been like something that I want to sit and watch. Uh, and partially that's because like after, you know, after five o'clock, I'm kind of done with like gaming media for the day. Like mm. I go, I go and do other things to kind of round myself out a little bit. You know, I like to watch sports and like to watch movies or TV or, or whatever, you know, go outside. But uh, yeah, see in that time I watch Mortal Kombat videos and play Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, right. That is my time away from work. Yeah. Yeah. I never, never got into that stuff. And, uh, I've never, I th- I've like, I tried to watch esports like Rainbow Six Siege for a while. Uh, and I kind of fell off of it. And then, uh, I did like during college league of legends when I was in college was huge, just massive. Mm. Everybody played it. It didn't matter who you were. Everybody played that game. So I'd like, I tried to sit and watch that to learn why this game yeah. is so popular and then you go and watch the esports tournaments. You're like, I have no idea what the fuck is happening on screen. That's that's generally the problem with uh, MOBA esports. You always hear about how popular it is, but I don't think it's ever touched my regular life. No, nope. I never I never met anyone who really likes watching people playing Defense of the Ancients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even like uh, you know, like when esports really started popping off. Uh, the first thing I really remember hearing about was just the massive StarCraft II tournaments over in Korea and yeah. how those were people were coming out of there with millions of dollars in prize money. And that was, yeah, that was like the start of like 2013, 2014, if I recall. You really started starting to hear about those things. I've often felt there's like an unexplored niche here. There's got to be a way to make esports palatable for the average viewer. So it's not just like, you don't just like look at one thing and it just feels like a fucking wall and you have no idea what's going on. And I think maybe it's just, a light-hearted comedy, a light-hearted comedy panel show about esports. Yeah. I like think a question of sport in the UK. It might just depend on the game you're watching too. Like I, I can, I can follow rainbow six siege or call of duty esports very easily. You put me in, in an RTS or a MOBA or anything like that, or even a fighting game. And I'm just like, eh, <laughs> Well, I don't really, I don't really follow half of what's going on in those Mortal Kombat videos. Yeah, half the language, I don't get what they're saying. Mm. Oh, I should have cancelled. Oh, I should have bounce cancelled. Oh, I, uh, I pressed down two when I meant to press down three. Silly me. But I guess it's just watching someone get the shit beaten out of them in <laughs> sprays of blood and massively satisfying crunching noises. Yeah, you that like, does it for me. There, you like, you like the spectacle of somebody being very good at that game. I guess, but I do appreciate the spectacle of fighting games generally. I've always uh, said this, that I appreciate them because they're very distilled character pieces. Yeah. There's there's no plot to get in the way, and every character in it basically has to potentially serve as a protagonist. Mm -hmm. And all they have to convey that character is the way they look and the way they move and the little things they say. And I think it's very neat the way these games bring across flamboyant characters just with these like glimpses of them it's kind of kind of funny like the the fighting games are like that one genre that's never straight too far from its core loop and it's been wildly successful for it (laughs) yeah and uh nobody wants to mess with success i suppose why bother (laughs) well quite the 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 esports scene funnels everything right back into the fighting games so Mm. those games are huge what about what about like super smash brothers no, I don't really want, like watching Super Smash Brothers just because it's hard to keep track of the action. Everything's so small, and there's so many particle effects and things. Even on one v one battles, that's what most esports tourneys do. It's just the one v ones. I just can't get into it. There's every really? reason I should get into it because you know I'm a big Persona fan, and they introduced yeah. like Joker from Persona Five as a character. And I watched some videos of like Joker in Smash Brothers, and uh, no, I just don't really. Not really that interested in watching. It just seems too technical. Everything happens too fast. I feel like Super Smash Brothers might be that that gateway game to watching fighting game esports that you were just mentioning. Now that I think about it, 
You think? I think like well, they they had it at EGLX, and like that was the first time I like kind of sat down and just watched you know that stuff going on. Like they had like Guilty Gear or whatever whatever other fighting games going on over there, and I, I couldn't be asked to watch that, but. They they started showing off Super Smash Brothers on the main screen. I actually like picked up a chair and sat down and <laughs> watched it happen. Oh, that's funny. Because I'd have thought something like Mortal Kombat where the characters are big and larger than life and right up there and you can tell everything that's going on. It's probably probably more like I said, it probably has more to do with I've played a lot of Super Smash Brothers and I could read the action on screen more than I can oh, well, in Mortal Kombat. Go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I never got into Smash Brothers. Yeah. As I, I said, when I was when I played multiplayer games, it was stuff like TF2. I used to be really into Team Fortress Classic as well, mm-hmm. back in the day. Playing on a 56k modem. Don't play Sniper. <laughs> Don't play Sniper if you're playing from England in a 50, on a 56k modem. Because <laughs> everything you sh- you're shooting at is not there anymore. Too, too young for that. I, I grew up playing Halo for that competitive multiplayer. <laughs> Blah. <laughs> It's the one, one multiplayer game Fortress, I got my dad into. <laughs> don't tell me Team Fortress Classic is an old man's game now. I remember Team Fortress 2 in the orange box. I played that. <laughs> this is making me feel old. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but I think I think we've... Uh, all right, so you watch you watch fighting games to de-stress. You play Dark Souls to de-stress, and you watch fighting games to de-stress. Yes. Or, I, or sometimes, sometimes I like to play a game I've played before just to go through the story mm-hmm. like i never like if i come back to a game like a few years down the line sometimes i think about you know playing it on the higher difficulty but really i just want to like have the same experience again so i just play normal difficulty just to get through the story sometimes i do that i find i finished actually relevantly i finished my latest playthrough of dark souls last night and i'm <laughs> intending to move to death stranding tonight when uh. i have my Baby's gone to bed free time. Oh man, I gotta. I guess I gotta get going on that so we can talk about it soon. <laughs> yes, we talked about that, didn't we? Yep. We both of us need to play through Death Stranding again and then talk about it again for the first time. <laughs> well, I never. I, I, I never it finished once it. to review. Yeah, and me yeah. neither. I played it once to review, and yeah. I never f- finished it because I got to part two. I? Yeah, I got to part two, and I was like, oh man. <laughs> So, but what, sure. weirdly, weirdly enough, like that's a game that I like to play to de-stress. Like it's like in very short bursts, I'm like, all right, this is peaceful. Like just walking and taking in the environments. And then I when it asks me to backtrack, my stress goes. Eh. <laughs> I assume that's the intention. Just uh, just a yeah. low key, chill walk walk across the country game. Yeah. So that's There's another. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say when we when the, they announced the director's cut at E3. Uh, did I even tell you about that? They announced a director's cut for Death Stranding. Did they? Yes. And I don't believe you did mention that. Yeah, in our discussion video on it, we kind of like took the the opposite approach to a director's cut, where usually you add more. And we were like, "What if he cuts stuff from it?" Because <laughs> he led into that whole conversation about the director's cut with like, I took a lot of the feedback in, and I I hear it, and I'm like, "Hmm, wonder if a, like he might." change everybody's expectations of what a director's cut where he actually cuts a lot of the unnecessary backtracking to which the comments completely roasted us over for not playing the game and not getting it surely it's not unheard of for a director's cut to be shorter than the original i i i couldn't think of any it's got to be some examples there's your homework chat yeah <laughs> google chat because the, the only yeah. the only director's cut i've watched are the uh, the extended versions of the Hobbit movies, the Lord of the Ring movies, and then uh, Kingdom of Heaven had a massive extended cut, which made it a much better movie, actually. Huh. Well, there you go. I gotta think there's got to be a film that was like too bloated and a the cut version. Didn't someone do like a uh, like a fan made super cut of the Hobbit movies? Yeah, those are all over film? YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Where they cut out everything <laughs> that wasn't necessary, which is a lot of it. I guess that's not a director's cut. Yeah. I think someone did, isn't there like a famous edit of the Phantom Menace that makes it good? Probably not. We don't know. We don't know. I'll, I'll take I my director's cut over the Rise of Skywalker and remove it from existence. <laughs> I think so, yeah. So when it comes to de-stressing with games, for me, it's either the catharsis that comes from beating a challenge, whether mm-hmm. it be in Dark Souls or watching someone play Mortal Kombat, or just something that will just keep my fingers busy while I listen to music or to a podcast or something. And Death Stranding, I would think I'd put in the latter category. 
if it weren't for those weird boss fights it throws out out of nowhere every now and again with with Mads Mikkelsen mm. suddenly it's all a solid game where you have to like <laughs> right where you're in a war trench having to fight Mads Mikkelsen or an octopus and yeah. it feels a bit out of place for what the game was doing up to then right I yeah. guess there's a certain, I guess there's a certain um, etiquette for video games. There's got to be boss fights. There's got to be like a big challenge. Yeah, that was that was one of the things we talked about for like the Death Stranding director's cut. It was like I almost I almost wish that game was just a like a ten hour linear adventure where it's puzzles and getting across the environment to get to yeah. your, from destination A to B. I know that's not what the game is. I would have preferred it that way because like the things I remember from that game, like starting it up is like when you, that first time uh, you reach a peak and then you're heading down to the valley and the music comes in. And like mm. it was, that, that was awesome. Like that was one of my, for whatever reason, like that was one of the most memorable moments I've had in gaming in a while. You want like sort of live action death stranding. There's another YouTube series I've watched and quite enjoy called the mission across Wales, mm. where this one, like very friendly seeming dude, with weird priorities in life, mm-hmm. declares his intention to walk all the way across Wales in a straight line. Just going across fields and farms and like jumping over rivers mm-hmm. until he gets to the coast. And it's and the way he sells it is actually quite interesting to watch. Because you can because it sounds like a weird quest, but you can tell he's really invested in it and he's a very likable sort of dude. Huh. Have to check that out, <laughs> and it's kind of, it's kind of funny, you know? and you get to see some nice shots of the lovely Welsh hills and the scenery, and you, you kind of get invested. You're like, oh no, he's getting his balls caught on a barbed wire fence. Does <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually happen? Well, he's had to hop quite a few fences. <laughs> it's in the director's cut somewhere. And he does a couple of really stupid things, like he forgets to bring a first aid kit, so when he cuts himself quite badly on a fence, he just has to lump it. And he forgets to bring gloves when trying to, like, uh, push his way through sharp bracken and stuff. Huh. Well, but he, but he's likeable enough. But he's likeable enough that you can still enjoy it. Chat was saying the uh, the Shining director's cut actually cut content from it. Well, there you go. So it does that, exist. That does seem Kubrickian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have changed like my my gaming habits a lot in the last. I mean, pretty much with the start of the pandemic when I started going through my backlog and like you know about that list I've made on Twitter of like all the games I've finished. Uh, mm. Because I used to constantly stress myself out over not knowing what game to start and sticking with it. That would that would constantly bother me. And then uh, I kind of just... Classic, yeah, it's the classic problem, isn't it? Yep. What's that old joke where the woman says, I haven't got a thing to wear while looking at a wardrobe <laughs> full of clothes. And yep. the man says, I haven't got a thing to play while looking at shelves covered in video games. Yep. Uh, so that that was part of my problem. And then the other problem was like, I just I just wanted to like experience the stories in the worlds. I've gotten... Maybe it's just because we've reviewed so many games now, but like... When a game starts throwing in like these massive annoying health bars at me, I just don't give a shit. Like I don't want to spend twenty minutes grinding down an enemy in a game. So like uh, an RPG or whatever that has like those health bars. Now I just mm-hmm. play on like the easiest difficulty because I'm like, I, what's the difference? Like uh, you know the combat might be a little bit tougher. Okay, I'm, I'm more there for the story and the RPG aspects, and you know well, grinding down a power level. Easy- well, that's what the easy modes are for. I'm glad you realized that, you massive scrub. <laughs> I always I always knew that, but for whatever reason, like I had gotten into my head where like I wasn't going to get the full experience if I didn't if I played it that way, and then I just I just stopped giving a shit. Now I'm like, okay, well, I'm finishing all the games I wanted to finish now. <laughs> Yakuza, you, you, I'm doing that too because you get to the boss right. fights and they're fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I guess it comes down to delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. having the willpower for that sort of thing because the reason why I like playing hard games like Dark Souls is that there's nothing that quite beats the catharsis of finally beating a difficult boss oh sure well I mean yeah Dark, Dark Souls is like built around that though like you don't really want to go into that for just to walk through it the whole premise well, is it's a challenging game well maybe I want to walk through it as well it's a very good looking game as well well you, you're good enough now that you can do that <laughs> well there you go I'm just strolling through the dark so yeah 
but uh yeah it took me a couple of nights but i finally beat uh manus last night mm-hmm. father of the abyss yeah divinity divinity original sin 2 was the game where that kind of clicked in my head i was like i don't know why i'm playing this on a normal or hard difficulty when it doesn't really change the experience for me when I could just, you know, do the combat, keep going through the story, do all my RPG choices. But then you well, think but then you think about a game like Breath of the Wild, right? Where getting hmm. to Ganon is incredibly difficult at the end, depending on where you are at the game. Uh it, and maybe it's just like that progression loop and a lot of I don't think a lot of games get that progression loop right. Well, one way I like to play games that feels cathartic is uh if you're playing something like a JRPG. Mm-hmm. Then to just like keep grinding up easy battles until your character is over leveled, and then going to the boss fight and kicking the piss out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because that's like two levels of catharsis. There, you get a bunch of easy fights that are just you can just kind of zone out, listen to a podcast as you grind, and then that's... go to the boss and uh, completely outclass a little bitch. For for somebody for somebody that has to review a game every week, I just cannot picture you spending time grinding a game. I just can't. Well, as you say, <laughs> uh, I, if I'm playing a game for review, I have to get through it in a week, so I don't really like having to grind. Yeah, because when I'm reviewing a game in a week, I'm reviewing the like um, in the moment experience. Right. But but uh, when I'm playing games to relax, I don't mind grinding. I seek it out even. Yeah, I guess I guess we just have a different mindset about it because like i have to keep like yeah i do weekly things with podcasts and everything so i kind of have to keep up with everything and you you know you're reviewing your game and usually you know you're two or three weeks ahead behind schedule of like well the it helps, schedule. To, helps to think of it as work time and play time making it easy time yeah because if it's work time yeah i'll be annoyed by having to grind and if the game's taking too long but if i know it's i'm taking it easy time i don't feel the stress to play some anything relevant yeah, that's well, that's part of the problem being in games media is like your hobby becomes your job all the time, and so yeah, I had like I, I yeah so like last year to have some hobby time with video games as well. Otherwise, you'll start hating it. Yeah, that's why last year I was like, yeah, I have to I have to change my playing habits to not be stressed while I'm actually playing games for enjoyment. <laughs> exactly, and if, and if playing an easy mode does that for me, then you know who cares? <laughs> I'm gonna play how I want. It took me a while to figure it out because I worked from home for a very long time. But I think being married sort of helped me figure out that I have to start putting a very clear divide between work time and not work time. Yeah. It's got to be like, I got to stop work at 5.30. That's the rule now. Mm. Stop work at 5.30 and work consists of, you know, designing my games, writing my books, playing video games for work. And then for 5.30 on, I just don't do any of that. Yeah. Try not to. Yeah, that's that's been, that's do, been my my toughest thing. I do, sometimes I do a bit of work on Starstruck Vagabond, but that's my hobby. That hardly counts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, when you when you just get in the mindset of this is my non-stress time, this is my time to just do what I like. Maybe I'll play a game I played a hundred times before. Who cares? Because the relevant stuff I'll be playing in my work time. It's very useful mentally to keep yourself from going nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lesson I'm I'm learning. It's it's so hard being like the ESC of and trying to rebuild a brand and everything. It's like it's it's never stops. Like I'm either either uh you know waking up in the morning to get stuff published. I'm on a stream. I'm doing a podcast. Oh, and then I gotta get on social media and to handle all that stuff and then check the comments and moderate. It's like it never ends. And then you get to the game stuff and like you're in the in MySpace at least. Like you're in the constant mindset of like how do I make content about what I'm playing. Can I, is there something I can write from this? Something, a video I can make from this? Which is well, I, I guess in that case, I just find it useful not to think about it. Yeah. I play a game, and then when I have to write a review, I'll just think back to my experience with the game and write down what I remember. Right. Because if you don't remember it, it can't have been that important, can it? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. So when uh, I think about, because I've, I've played thousands of games. Yep. And I can, I'm thinking of like games from like the PS3, Xbox 360 era that I must have played through, but I remember nothing about. Mm. Like I was watching uh, G-Man Lives' video on Wet the other day. Yeah. I remember playing Wet. I remember reviewing it very harshly. But everything in that re- review was new to me in my future self. 
where does it where does it all i mean i was obviously i remembered uh certain images when it came up but all the specifics where does it all go I, I, I don't even think it's fair to even expect yourself to hold that much in your head when you reviewed thousands of games. I mean, I, I've covered thousands of games and somehow I, mm. yeah, I don't remember. I mean, somehow I know developer names and like what they're working on, even like the smallest of indie devs. But yeah, you try to, somebody was pointing out like my, my Bloodborne live stream was like, man, he doesn't know that even the basics of lore in that game was like, I'm, there's no room in my head for that, buddy. <laughs> That's the that's one of the many things that divides us professional video game commentators from the general public, I suppose. Yeah. Because inevitably you hear from like people in comments saying that, oh, reviewers are all terrible at games. I mean, remember that guy who reviewed Cuphead and couldn't figure out how to dash <laughs> in the tutorial? Yeah. But, you know, people who are saying that are in the position of maybe they like downloaded cuphead and they played it for like weeks and it was the only game they played and they had the privilege of being able to do that yeah i so yeah it, it, my knee-jerk reaction to something like that was like man like why are you covering games and then i kind of thought about it I was like well i've been at preview events and like i know how to play darksiders but when i was previewing darksiders genesis i felt like an idiot on a controller because i didn't know what i was doing and so it's like literally uploading that they literally uploaded probably his first time touching the controller for that game so that's, yeah, that's another one. Darksiders 1. Yeah. I remember playing it. It's so sort of fun to summon to memory like the the two or three things that you can still remember out of them. Mm. I remember there was a whole gameplay mechanic ripping off Portal towards the end of that game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you get, you get a portal gun, and it literally fires blue and orange portals. <laughs> yeah. And it was used as like a, a Zelda dungeon puzzle tool. Was that was that in Darksiders one or two? That was Darksiders one. Yeah, because Darksiders two was the Diablo knockoff. Darksiders one was the Zelda knockoff. Darksiders two, two was the Diablo knockoff. And Darksiders three was, three the, was the Dark Souls knockoff. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I wonder what four is going to be the knockoff of. Whatever is popular, probably Battle Royale. Mm-mm, I think it'll be. It's going to be strife. If it's supposed to be strife, so I would imagine it'd be something like a Bayonetta knockoff. No, no, strife's the stealth character, isn't he? No, it's he's probably he's gonna guns. Be like, Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was the stealth character. No, he's 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 like the the hard ass gun guy, like cowboy gun guy. Well, I don't know. Don't they all have guns? Uh, yeah, but his that's his main weapon is guns. I just remember him. In, he appeared in Darksiders three, and he was in disguise for most of the games. So I assumed he'd be like the stealth dude. You you reviewed Darksiders Genesis, right? He was like the the main character in that alongside War. No, I didn't review that actually. You didn't. I remember you bringing it up. Oh. I never, that was the isometric one, right? Yes, it's actually pretty good. If you say so, yeah, it had. I think it has the the best feeling combat for an isometric game. Huh? Not just uh, clicky clicky. No, no, it was like it was literally Darksiders combat in an isometric view. Same okay. with the platforming and everything. I'm thinking of Bastion for some reason. <laughs> for for is what? It like, is it like that? Uh. A lot of those, um, what are they called? You know, developers of Bastion who also did um, Hades, Super Giant Games. Thank you. Yes, they do like isometric uh, hack and slash, like what you're describing. Yeah. Did you play play Hades? Would Hades be a good comparison to Darksiders Genesis? I I have not played it yet. I just bought it. Uh, But. No, like, like literally, the best comparison I can make to that game is literally take the the first Darksiders and make make it isometric, and that's how exactly how it feels. Okay, so like Hades then. Yep, I guess so. I guess I should play Hades because right. I would like that. Yeah, then. <laughs> yeah, try it out. A lot of people seem to like it. Yeah, it's I'm getting there. I'm still I'm on Yakuza Four right now, and then I got Yakuza Five, Six, feels, Zero, feels Judgment. Like, <laughs> feels like a couple of weeks back you were saying you played through like three Yakuza games in like yeah. short order. No, now I you're, did. You're, now you're stuck on Yakuza Four for how long now? No, I I started it after I took a break because I was like I'm gonna get burnt out on this series pretty quick if I keep playing. Uh, so I, right. I took a break and then started up four right after E3 and. Yeah, well, if you want, well, if you want my advice, just play Yakuza Zero and then kick the rest in the head. But I think you've seen <laughs> everything it's going to do at this point. No, I, I started it. I have to finish it now. <laughs> I guess play Yakuza Like a Dragon because that's got like turn-based combat that makes it completely feel completely different. 
Yeah, uh, I have a Final Fantasy VII remake to play too. I've been, I'm still making my way through all the the Japanese games now. Man, you've really picked all the heavy loads, haven't you? I did. I'm still yeah. working on Disco Elysium too. Yeah, and months. you're picking games that are like 90% side content, and then trying to only focus on the not for Disco Elysium. I've done up. I've done as much as I can at Disco Elysium because it all ties back all to right. the investigation. You kind of have to. You still have to get onto Persona Five at some point. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just like the little uh, pained sigh. Yes, <laughs> lots of games to get through. I need I need to get through it though. All that before the uh, the fall rush hits because this year is going to be a little bit crazy. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah, I got I got like a month or two of it's not going to be nuts. That's going to get nuts. Nice if game releases spread out a bit more over the year. Uh, yeah. This well, this year, this year it is because of the pandemic. But next year, well, yeah. that release schedule is insane. I feel bad for you next year, actually. <laughs> like you're, oh, you're start you're starting up right away in January with the big the big hits, and you don't quit till like May. <laughs> uh, what if I could survive? What was that year that like three massive games came out the same day? It was like Assassin's Creed, one of them. Mario Odyssey and I think it was one of the new Wolfensteins and they all came out the same day it would have been 2018 yeah that, might yeah, that seems it. about right shall we do some super chats I think we can I'm um, just uh, bringing them up do 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 don't mind me Phil Phil remember to get your super chats in everyone we're going to start reading them out now I have to uh, pull up my tweeter because I liked a tweet in reference to one of the super chats. Because okay. you probably haven't heard about this. What about what? You get there. Okay. On that cryptic note, <laughs> Scavenger gave us $5 to say a speedrun or skilled fighting game playthrough is essentially choreography. Isn't that like watching a well crafted movie or fight scene? I, well, maybe. The difference is, I guess, this is like one person who's figured it all out. There's the triumph of the human spirit. It's kind of, these people always seem kind of mad to me, but, you know, you can get invested. Someone, like, devotes their entire life to, like, beating Super Mario Brothers in under five minutes. You can sort of get some proxy enjoyment from them finally succeeding. Yeah, good, good on you, man. You put the time in and it paid off, you mad, mad fuck. <laughs> anything to add to that uh i wouldn't i wouldn't say a fighting game would be choreography because that means it would be pre-planned <laughs> well well that's the crazy thing isn't it yeah the way, like it goes so fast and everyone's just like reacting to like things the other player does that might be like yeah. three frames long yeah uh, like, oh, he's doing the thing react when you look at the just look just looking at like the player or the combo list in those games makes my brain hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I like how I, I like I I think about like how I have to remember buttons for like shooter games, and mm. then I look at that and I'm like, how how do you yeah. remember all of that? Yeah. I, it becomes muscle memory after a while, but man, I'm sure that has to take months, if not a year or more, just to you know all the yeah. synapses to get that to go like that. I had a friend who's into fighting games. I watched them play. And yeah, there's there doesn't seem to be any conscious thought going into it. It's just rattle away. Yeah. And they, and they all prefer to use those arcade controllers with the stick and the big <laughs> chunky buttons. Yeah, that's always fun to watch. Because it's easiest to rattle away at, I suppose. Yep. Well, they, uh, well the, I think it's because the joystick gives them all that uh, diagonal directional movement a lot easier than a thumbstick does. Hmm. The joystick kind of annoys me when I'm playing on like a 2D plane because hmm. you just want to push left and right and suddenly all these diagonals come into the thing. Yeah, right. Um, Dylan Kuntz, <laughs> yes, that is his name, gives US dollars nine ninety nine to say, Pokemon Stardew Valley or Minecraft are my personal de-stress games, things that I can take at my own pace and don't feel like I need to get right all the time. Oh, that's the, that's the one we didn't talk about, of course, Minecraft, the classic de-stresser. Yeah. I, I, I think I think any of those creator survival games are kind of de-stressor games. 
Pretty much. I used to deliberately play Minecraft in um, uh, hardcore mode, where you die once, it deletes the world. <laughs> and the reason for that was because it was very zen. Really? Like you'd build, you'd build a house and you'd build like resources. You'd set up a little home base, start building like a portal to the nether. Um, and knowing that at any moment it could just all go away and you have to start from scratch. It just felt very liberating. <laughs> I don't know if I call it de-stressing, but... Well, we... Do we just if you don't, if you, don't, you don't care about your world at all, sure. Some people, yeah. you see the creation, some people come out of there just having that instantly deleted. <laughs> just be like... Oh. Sort of little, little pockets of weirdly satisfying nihilism. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh like, man, I spent six months building my castle. It's gone now. Well, shit. <laughs> like sometimes I think about if I like if someone shot me in the heart and I slowly bled out and died, there'd be a certain catharsis and the sensation of your life dribbling away and knowing you'd never have to worry about bills ever again. <laughs> Not that I want to be shot in the heart. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just I just like imagine the scenario, and I could feel a part of me would feel very relieved. As I was bleeding to death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, maybe, I think you might watch too much death on TV. <laughs> Perhaps we shouldn't go explore that any further. Perhaps I'll mention that to my therapist. <laughs> That's gonna. You should put that in a ZP review. Glade <laughs> Aland gives five US dollars to say, Yahtzee, is there any reason you haven't reviewed games you like, such as The Stanley Parable or Persona 5 The Royal? Well, I wouldn't avoid reviewing a game I, that I liked. I just didn't review those because there wasn't an opportune time, I suppose. Also, I already did Persona 5, the original, and I don't think the <laughs> Royal adds enough to justify a re-review. Hmm. And Stanley Parable I didn't do because there's not much to say about it. It's a walking sim, deconstructionist, sort of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, a dead sort of vibe. It's quite fun. Check it out. I don't, I don't really there's not much to comment on games. from the perspective of from the perspective of a game critic. Not much to comment on because there's not much gameplay in it. Yeah, I don't, I don't really miss reviewing games. Like I, we, I critique and discuss them, but I don't really do a you know full review anymore. I don't remember the last review I wrote. I think it was for Call of Duty: Modern Warfare 2019. I was like, you know, this is boring. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe you could de-stress by writing a review yeah, of something. That's true. Writing, writing in general, I just I like podcasting and all that anymore. It's easier. Mm. Andrew Hickenbottom gives five British pounds to say, "Do either of you have much interest in Sims, truck, farm, bus, flight sim? I find them pretty chilled out, quite interesting to learn and repeat." Yeah, I've enjoyed games like Euro Truck Simulator in the past because uh, that falls under the heading of just giving you a simple task to do with your hands while you listen to, to a podcast or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, actually, I played the hell out of The Sims 2 and 3, but not for, like, the RPG aspect of it. I just like building houses. Yeah, a lot, I think a lot of people do play The Sims just for that. Yeah, yeah so, like, I, would, I wouldn't even play it, like... I don't think I've ever played The Sims like you sh- you're supposed to. I think I've just installed cheats and then built houses and, and then restarted I and built would, a new house. <laughs> I would be astonished if there weren't large percentages of the chat that do exactly precisely the same thing. Mm. Yeah, that, those were those are pretty good Zen games. I, I have Sims it's 4. A, I never got into it, though. It's a, it's a pretty good architecture sim it, it, at a pinch. Yeah. If you want to design a house, there are worse things to do. Yeah. And then, and then you, put them in, and you put them in a pool and take the ladder away. That hasn't worked <laughs> since The Sims 1, and you know it. <laughs> it works in The Sims 3. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm 90% still, sure. Still kill people by deleting the ladder. Yeah, and you just leave them, you know, delete the doors on a room and leave them in there. Like, you know, you, you start becoming stressed and then you do that. Wasn't it The Sims 3 that didn't have swimming pools on launch and they had to patch them in? No, that was, was, that the that was 4. 4. That was Sims 4. Yeah, that was 4. Yeah, Sims, everybody goes back to play 3 because it was a better game. Yeah, I think I did as well. Mm-hmm. I think I said as much in my review of The Sims 4. There's The Sims 3, you don't have to install fucking Origin to play it, and it's got more features. Why are we still talking about this? Yeah, 4 four has a massive amount of expansions. Like, 4 is like that, uh, it's like, hey, look at how much money we can make from The Sims. Let's section it all off to make even more money. Yeah, The Sims has always been uh, very big on customization and mods and expansion. Mm-hmm. They started monetizing it after a certain point, and now it's a lot less innocent. It was much yes. more wholesome in The Sims 1 and 2. People were just... 
patched in whenever they wanted willy-nilly. Yep. There were whole like communities of people designing uh, specific haircuts for The Sims. Yeah, they they still do that. Uh, Actually, our network, Enthusiast Gaming, owns The Sims Resource, which is like the biggest website for Sims mods. Huh. But I can't imagine they like they're official or anything. Uh, yeah, they're not official, but they're uh, they're a mess. Like they're the biggest site in our network, so. By a long oh, shot. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Sims fans are weird. It's mm. one of those things where it's one of those things that some people who don't otherwise like video games just like The Sims. Uh, the Sims was really that like that first like maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but may, I think it was like that first like mainstream hardcore mix for a game. Yeah, like because anybody yeah. anybody you knew growing up, like if they if they played games, they played that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember playing the first Sims game when it came out because mm-hmm. it was a fascinating experiment. And it's weirdly absorbing for a while. I always find whenever I picked up a new Sims game, I'd be really absorbed in it for a while and then there's something would happen that where I'd just suddenly lose interest. Yep, that's the same way. And it was, and it was hard to say exactly why that would happen. Yeah, it, it well, you get to the daily grind of a life in The Sims, it becomes too does. real. Because <laughs> in the time when you're when I was when you start playing it and you're really into it, you I would just lose track of time. I'd be playing for like eight hours a day. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, just the next day, bam, don't care anymore. Yep, yep, I, it was the same exact way with that that series. Well, this, this well Sims Two well. had aliens. Yeah, they could weird. adopt your people. <laughs> Samuel Soret gives us five years dollars to say, I find roguelites really de-stressing. There's so little commitment playing another run. I don't always have to do well or pay attention to story. Yeah, I think that is also something I enjoy, again, because of nihilism. Except, just except playing, Eternal. Just, just playing roguelites. Oh, you die and start again. It washes off. It's all zen. Boom. Except Returnal yeah. for you. Can't get too attached. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Well, Returnal was um, trying to do like a linear story. Yeah. It, it, it had a beginning, middle, and an end. And uh, so every time I tried to get to the next story point and would fail over and over again, it would become more and more stressful. Oh, you, well, it has that beginning, middle, and end, but every time you died, there was like new audio logs to pick up that gave you more of the story. They were, they, were, they were essential to the story this time, though. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's the one game that did audio logs right. <laughs> if I wanted to unlock the mystery, I had to find the environment and find those things. And they weren't just extra. They were actually, you know, part of the actual story being told. Quite. Karen Kuzku gives five US dollars to say, any thoughts on the Dark Souls fan-made sequel that's been advertised recently? So that's the tweet I was mentioning. Uh, it's called uh. Dark Souls Nightfall. I yeah. think I might have heard about this. Yes, it's like a mod of the first one. I think so, uh, and it's it's literally a yeah full fan made sequel, and it's going to release on December twenty first. Yes, is that the one where you start off at the very end of the game? I think so. I think that's correct. Uh, I, yes, I think I saw a video on that. Sure, sounds interesting. Uh, features well, a I whole think... new world map and a whole new story. Interesting. Although I thought the whole point of Dark Souls, as established by Dark Souls 2 and 3 in the official sequels, was that it's kind of just the same loop playing out over and over again throughout the history of a dying world. And uh, there's no escape from it. I think. So a sequel would just be kind of retreading that sort of theme. I guess we'll find out. I mean, there's, I guess I feel like there's a reason why From Software moved on. Uh... Maybe. I don't know, but the more I read on that project, the more interested in it, I'm in it, and I think I'm going to reach out to them to tell the story about it in a documentary. Oh, good on you. Do that. I will. I'm, I did I'm that gonna... for that Halo fan-made game that was coming soon, and I think it's dead now, and I'm sad. <laughs> I was kind of cold on Dark Souls 3, if I was honest. Because yeah, I played the... so much Dark Souls 1 and 2, but then I got through 3, and I was like, I'm kind of done with this. The the whole I go back... series, or just the well, I'm just uh, I'm just kind of done with like 
more Dark Souls. I can I can replay the first one any time because it's my comfort zone. Yeah, but you know, by the end of Dark Souls three, I'm just kind of, I was just kind of tired. Did you did you get big into the lore on those series, or did you just really play it for the gameplay? Uh, well, mainly just for the gameplay, yeah. But the lore is interesting mm-hmm. in parts if you if you get into it. Yeah, I, feel, I almost feel like I, I need to read a book on it. <laughs> you understand why this giant wolf is trying to kill you? Yeah, because it's quite heartbreaking, actually. Mm-hmm. Did you know in Dark Souls One, uh, there's the boss fight with the uh, Sif, the Grey Grey Wolf, of course, who was the companion of Artorias. But in the like the DLC, there's a bit where you meet like the young version of Sif because you travel you travel back in time and you meet like young Sif. And there's a, you can like save them from being killed, mm-hmm. and then if you somehow play the game so that you hadn't yet done Sif's boss fight back in the main game, you can do that after that after doing the DLC, and you'll get a completely different cutscene in the boss fight where Sif remembers you and realizes they have to kill you as part of their duty, and they're really sad about it. That all sounds cool. I have not finished Dark Souls one. <laughs> Well, that's an interesting bit of lore. <laughs> yeah. that's very moving if you know about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, someone in the chat mentions Vartividia's videos. You should just watch Vartividia's videos. He, like, sums up all the lore. Yeah, I have to... I'm planning on going back and doing Dark Souls 1 this before this year is out. Nice, on, digestible, on nice digestible videos explaining all the lore. Mm-hmm. Narrated by a very calm Australian man. That's always easy to listen to. Yes, as we've established. Scavenger gives five dollars to say, "I think esports are missing commentators who can break things down for newbies." Also, I'd say I'd say the same about sports generally. Also, Blade Runner DC was shorter, and Donna's Superman too. Oh, okay, thank you. Two examples of director's cuts that were shorter than the original. I think, yeah, I mean, esports. Sports commentators in general are talking to their target audience usually. Yeah, you know, I don't how know. Do you, how do you how do you break into that though? How do you start being into sports if you haven't been your whole life? Uh, well, I mean, all right. So, what when you're watching a sport, like what confuses you? Um, why everyone's so excited usually? <laughs> I mean, hockey is at least easy. Somebody gets hit, people cheer. Somebody scores, people cheer. Okay, right. Uh, uh, so- soccer's pretty similar, except you know when people uh, flop on the ground, I start laughing at it. But yeah, I get it. The people are trying to get the ball into the goal, and the ball goes in the goal, and everyone's very happy that the ball went in the goal. Yeah, I think probably. A, mm, I'm trying to think of a sport that's actually hard to understand. That's not like a. I guess it's not that the sports are hard to understand. It's just uh, the, 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 what the commentators say. Well, yeah, I guess. Okay, so when you're watching hockey, like a commentator might say, like, "Oh, they're doing a breakout," and not explain what a breakout is. Yeah, uh, something like that. Or yeah. like in soccer, the offside rule. Yeah, yeah, offsides. No <laughs> offsides is, is super hard to track, and in, in soccer, at least in in hockey, you have lines to follow. Mm-hmm. Puck puck crosses over the line before the player does. It's offsides. And then you have to make sure you can keep track of that as they're moving, you know, 25 miles an hour. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cr- people are mentioning yeah. cricket is really hard to watch. Yeah, cricket's cricket's hard to watch. Uh, I'd, say, I'd say wrestling is actually kind of a hard sport to understand sometimes. Well, because it's made up. No, not, not fake wrestling, like actual wrestling. Like there's a lot of right. weird, intricate rules that you can't do certain things and... Have you watched uh, professional level fencing? I have. I have watched that. That's fun to watch. Yeah, it's so fast though. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's scarily fast. (laughs) Oh, somebody won. We'll figure out who in the slow motion. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. Yeah, Yeah, I wish I wish Kirk was on TV more. Got any more super chats? You any questions you want to get in chat? Uh, do it now because we're running a bit low because and we'll be finishing soon uh dale hicks gives five australian dollars to say high level rocket league is incredible the skill level is though aesthetically pleasing to watch 
Yeah, we, I can understand that. <laughs> we streamed Rocket League for the uh, Able Gamers charity stream against the the community, and some of the members in the community are so good at that game. Like, I don't even know how you're yeah. playing this. There's such subtlety to the physics in Rocket League. Mm-hmm. Also, both the options for the camera kind of suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can never decide. Focus on the ball and completely lose track of what direction you're going in. Focus on yourself and never be able to tell where the ball is. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people were surprised at me not using the the track camera. I use the I use the non-track camera because I just get lost mm. when you're using the track camera. Yeah, they both have their issues. I find. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, I mean it's fun to watch. Like there's there's so many games that like have like huge skill gaps, like you know CS:GO and and all that, and uh, it's actually kind of fun. Uh, the newest site in our network, Upcomer, you know, is esports focused, and they have like these top five plays that I've actually really started watching. And I'm like, wow, these things are, you know, some of these things people pull off are incredible. <laughs> That's the trouble with esports; they've really raised the bar, and now everyone you play against online wants to be in esports, so no one's got any patience for the learning process. Yeah. Also, You're developers not- need to stop gearing their games all around esports all the goddamn time. You gotta be the best. Everyone's gotta be the best. There's actual money on the line now. We must all be the best. Yeah. Can't just piss about in the chat talking politics like we used to do in the old Team Fortress <laughs> Classic heyday. That's what uh, Sea of Thieves is for now. Yeah. Sounds like fun. We need to get you I mean, on a Sea of Thieves stream. Yeah, I've been meaning to get like organize something with some more some escapist dudes so I can like try out Sea of Thieves multiplayer because it seems like it would be fun, the sort of thing I'd enjoy. Yeah, you would definitely enjoy it. It's definitely not a game where you're just tracking an icon on the map. There's there's logic, puzzles, and everything. Someone pointed out in the comments of one review or other that one of the recurring theme in games I seem to like is that a lot of them seem to be about being in a boat or on the sea. I really like Spiritfarer, I like Subnautica, I like Return of the Obra Dinn. And thinking about it, I am like, very fond of nautical-themed things. I like the Horatio Hornblower series of novels. I just like seagoing as a theme. Yeah, Sue me. Uh, see, see if these would actually probably be that one of those de-stressor games for you, honestly. I'd probably. We'll set it, it does up. seem like you're supposed to play it co-op with uh, lots of people like doing different jobs on the ship. Isn't there a new game that does that? Like, There's a brand new game on Steam that's sci-fi that's about working together to do the, all the different functions on a spaceship uh new uh i don't know Hang pulsar on. that's it pulsar. just came out on steam it's called pulsar lost colony you have to team up to operate a starship and explore a randomized galaxy i'm just oh, reading yeah. directly it's, off the steam page now it's been an early access forever i saw people tweeting about it on twitter has it well i guess it's out now Perhaps we should give it a try. try. Yeah, let's give it a crack sometime. You know, part of the reason I find the sea fascinating is because of the horror aspect as well, I suppose. Yeah, like that open vast of sea and space is always kind of um, got that. You can't tell what's going on under the surface. There's like this unknowing vastness of ocean underneath the surface that you can't see. Yeah, it might be full of monsters. That's the fascinating part. <laughs> Until you dive was... under and see that the Kraken has no body and just arms. <laughs> yes, thank you for bringing that up. That was exactly <laughs> my thinking I was going to say that went into making Something's in the Sea. <laughs> one, of my, one of my dev diary games. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's why well, you like, like Subnautica from... so much too, right? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. horror of the sublime. Mm-hmm. Is what it's been called the horror of uh, vast, beautiful things. Is there a game that's really done that super well for space? Oh, yeah, um, Subnautica, Subnautica in space, basically. Because well, Breath Edge did it all right, but that didn't really have like the the alien horror or anything like that. No, it wasn't horror, but it did pull off the sort of breathtaking visuals of yeah. space, like like an equivalent to what Subnautica did with the ocean. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Starfield will be that first one. <laughs> well, I feel it, it works better with the sea because of that ingredient of, like, there's above the sea where you can see nothing that's going on below the surface and below the sea where all the shit happens. Don't really have that with space. In space, you can just see everything. It's the mystery of the sea. 
Space is a big whore. Space lets it all hang out. <laughs> Everyone can see what's going on in space. That's, that's funny. I think there's a lot more mystery in space than there is the sea, at least from a gameplay perspective. Well, not visually, is my point. Could be. Going into an asteroid field, never know what you might find in there. Yes, but that's not like characteristic of all space, is it? Yeah, true. And what characterizes Thank all God. space is that it's a big, <laughs> empty vastness. Yeah. I know that that's what scares me about space, is just the complete emptiness of it. Ah, but what if it was what if it could be empty but it could be full of monsters and you can't tell? Because that's the sea. That's that's the the horror of the sea. Hmm. Uh Peter Coop gives nine ninety nine British pounds to say, as an Englishman, I have to ask you, Yahtzee, is it coming home? Now, I think he's referencing a popular song by Badil and Skinner and the Lightning Seeds in which the recurring lyric was football's coming home and it was a massive earworm in the 90s. That's a very well-known song to English people. I acknowledge your reference, Peter Coop. <laughs> well done. Completely over my head. I will space out now. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i think this is the last one okay so no more super chats after this please because it won't be read out mappy 1964 gives five us dollars to say i find that when you get the weapons with infinite ammo in resident evil 4 the game becomes hilariously relaxing and fun yes i used to play resident evil 4 over and over again it was one of the few games i had back in the before times before i did zero punctuation and had few games so mm. I just replay the ones I had over and over again. And I, of course I did a token run through Resident Evil 4 with the infinite rocket launcher, and it was very cathartic. I haven't I haven't actually sat down to like replay a game in a long time. If you could, what would you pick? <sighs> Stupid answer is Halo, uh but like I like stupid at all. If that's your comfort zone, this yeah. is this is why we replay games. I like to little nostalgic wallowing is nice for the soul. Yeah, I'm I'm like kind of weird about replaying games because like I I can never find the time or mental energy to like go and replay a huge RPG that I've already played before, even if there's like a second story option into it. But I really like playing like cinematic linear adventure games. Uh, mm. And a big yeah, part a big part of those that, when I was a kid. Yeah, and a big part of that just because of the music. Secret of Monkey Island a lot. Yeah, and a, a big part of the reason I, I replay those games is like for the music alone sometimes. So like I love playing the re- Uncharted games just because I think like they're fun and they have really good soundtracks that I'd like to play too. <laughs> but, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever replayed. Yeah, I've never replayed an RPG. I think I started up Skyrim once and I was like, I got through like the first hour. I was like, ah, uh-uh. <laughs> too much. Yeah, thinking about it, it would be hard to replay any of the Persona games at this point knowing I'd have to grind up all the personas and stuff again. Yeah, that's like, even with the Pokemon games. Like, I've played Emerald, and I, I I didn't play Pokemon again after that, and then now I have Sword and Shield, and, like, it feels like I'm replaying the same game. And it's so hard to, like, try and finish it. Mm. JRP, JRPG is, like, the, the hardest game for me to just sit down and, like, finally, like, sit in, into and play. Uh, and Yakuza's, like, just... There's enough story in Yakuza that it's it's bypassing that for me but the more i play of yakuza the more it's like eh. <laughs> they all start to blur together after a while don't yeah they? yeah especially going three to four is like oh man this is a lot yeah imagine if you played all the yakuza games back to back you'd have a very hard time pinpointing exactly what happened in each one uh i i've i've really liked the stories i i think four is like the only one where i'm kind of like eh, i'm not i'm not super engrossed in it but it you know i do feel like they repeat themselves a lot Oh yeah, like absolutely. The evil person's taking over the Yakuza. The some innocent person gets pulled into the conspiracy. Kazuma Kiryu uh, helps them and gets pulled into the conspiracy himself by helping the one innocent person. Yep. And, and by we, uh, the end, everyone takes their shirts off and has a big fist fight on the roof of the Millennium the Tower. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, it's funny. And then people all die the same way too. Yeah, very very long drawn out ways. Yep, <laughs> the the death and the death and three yeah, made me laugh more than anything. 
It's just so stupid. He fought the guy. He left the gun on the ground. He's like, eh, you won't do anything with that. And the guy gets up like, well, you should have taken it away from me, dumbass. Damn. <laughs> uh, at, least, at least the game had self-awareness. I feel like a lot of that's anime generally. Yeah, it's very over Yeah, I think I said in the video once, I watched an anime once. Dude pulled a gun at the start of the episode, fired it at the end of the episode. <laughs> Everything in between was just angsting about it. And he missed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if uh, I, mostly I'm like going from Kiwami two back to three and four was tough because like Kiwami two is so modernized compared to those games. Uh, so ho- hopefully five and six kind of hooks me and dr- drives me back further into it. I know I know zero will because everybody sings zero praises, but someone in the chat asked if I'm going to review Scarlet Nexus. That was literally what just passed my across my mind because mm-hmm. I was talking about games being anime as dicks. And Scarlet Nexus is anime as dicks. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was just saying as much in my review, writing it up. That's because because uh, it's like it's like it's trying to fill out a checklist, you know. Really? Yeah. Like one of the characters is main character's childhood friend who secretly loves them. Are you playing the girl, or the boy? Uh, the boy. Okay, I started my playthrough so, with yeah. the girl. Yeah. So like this character shows up and like, oh, it's, oh look. It's my childhood friend. And I was like, of course they fucking are. Yeah. It's trope after trope. Mm-hmm. At least, at least it's right. only 30 we... hours of tropes, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shall we wrap it up? I think we can. Well, thanks for listening to Slightly Something Else. We were talking about how we de-stress with games. We went into a we lot all... of branching topics for this one. Esports, de-stress, <laughs> death You stranding. might even be... If you're listening to this podcast while yourself de-stressing with a boring game or while playing through Dark Souls, good on you. Yes. Enjoying things in the spirit that it's meant. All right. I was Yahtzee Crowshaw, of course. I'm Nick Calandra. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you to all the Super Chats. You are the things that help us keep going. Why not uh, get an Escapist Plus membership or join uh, our YouTube membership club? Do for it. various benefits, we certainly appreciate it. You can watch a brand new Yahtzee's Dev Diary on YouTube right now if you join. Hey! Yes, and actually comment on it. People don't seem to comment on it on my very much version. But oh well. <laughs> Alright, we'll see everybody next time. I uh, will see you all tomorrow for another Zero Punctuation and another post DP stream. Do you want to come on that, by the way, Nick? I can do that. Because we're doing Ratchet and Clank. And I did play through that. And I felt like we could talk about how much we hate Sony. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how they're going to react to your review. If they at all do. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope I don't yes. get an email. I, cause I, Game, yeah, it's kind of funny. Close to the edge with that. Yeah, it was kind of funny watching that because I, I got an email today. Like, I'm trying to set up an interview for an upcoming game. And uh, they, they asked me about uh, view count numbers. And I was literally, I was so close to sending back, like, look, if all you care is about view count numbers, I don't even want to do the interview. Because <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, Sony. Yeah. But, uh, all right. We'll see everybody tomorrow. See you tomorrow, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.